Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we talk about the Overwatch League matches, the new changes to the competitive scene, and the release of Echo. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the gameplay section of this week's episodes. We had a packed week of 10 matches that we had this weekend. Um, how's your gameplay and, and watching been, Kevin? Uh, it's been pretty pretty okay, um, honestly. I'm trying to get my group together to constantly play, um, but it is kind of difficult getting in touch with people, especially since... Uh, it used to be easy since the main lockdown happened during spring break. And now that we aren't on spring break, uh, everybody's back in classes and working on their stuff. Uh, make sure to finish your homework before you game, guys. But yeah, honestly, I'm the, the games are, are up and down for me. It's been a, it's been pretty inconsistent with the way how people have been playing. But in terms of watching the games, um, I did sit down and watch all of day one, um, and then I caught the very tail end of day two, um, but they were all really good games, honestly. I watched nine of the matches. It was so... There's so much to watch. Oh my god. I really... I mean, on one hand, the games that go to five are a lot of value, and they're a lot of fun to watch, but on the professional side of of doing the podcast and this is a job for us, it's like, oh my god, there's so much to watch. Yeah, I, I didn't really expect some of these games to go as long as they did, but I'm kind of glad that like we get to look at what they're doing at least. Um, and yeah, there was a there was one really big upset that I I definitely want to talk about. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I I, fin- I finally finished my. DPS placements today. Somehow I was able to get on even with the the echo release today. I'm not sure how that happened, but I got my remaining three um DPS placements in. And for someone who hates May a lot, I found out that I'm a pretty decent May. I won all three matches, which never happens. I feel like that's something that has to do with us being tanks as well. Um Yeah. Yeah, you have that wall mentality where you're like Okay, yeah, a wall is good here. Or, you know, they can't back exactly up here. I, I was can playing take it. I was, I was using the wall. Exactly. You use it like an Orisa barrier that works both ways. Um, and if you think about it that way, uh, it's also just like a way to control the w- the placement and whereabouts of your opponents, too. So uh, it does make it harder. Uh, but if you are more game sense heavy, like, May is just very good. Um, but we definitely have to see what that will do. What if all that changes, especially once uh, Echo gets dropped into this game? 
we'll have to see whether Echo comes in in the next week or so. Um, she did just drop today, but the pros who have been playing this because they all play on PC, they've had access to her through the PTR. Um, we did see the league had their exhibition match with Echo. I believe it was week seven. Um, so they, they have been playing her. They know what she's like. As soon as she came out, a lot of the Overwatch League gamers went on stream it and played her. Um, she's been changed since then. She's had a little bit of a nerf. Um, we'll have to see how she stands in the next coming days with her being on wide release if they nerf her again before the week is out or before next week starts. But I kind of want them to wait the week. I think I think it's too early to have her in the league, um, especially with a lot of the teams who are just getting back into it now. I don't know. Do you I, think with, with weird teams like the hunters who who ran, run the really wonky comps. Do you think they'd benefit from having the echo because no one's used to it yet? I feel like every team can benefit from it just because it is fresh and new, and not a lot of teams know how to deal with it. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like the hunters are going to be one of the few teams that will run echo in like every match. I feel like if Jinmu gets a good hand at uh. Echo, uh, it could be his replacement for the Farah. And consider, consider how different uh, Echo plays compared to Farah. Um, but you also so have the option. Oh my god! You have the option of replicate too. So you have the option to use your opponent's picks against them, um, and even boost them in a way. Especially if you have a pocket mercy. So it's going to be really interesting to see how how the rest of this works. Do you think? Um when the competitive collegiate scene returns, do you think your team's going to try running an Echo? Um, For Art U, I feel like it's really interesting. Um, The person who we usually have on our Echo play or our projectile DPS is T-Cat. And honestly, I feel like he's more used to using Farah in the way um, how you're supposed to. Um, but honestly, I feel like if he gets his hands on Echo, it is going to be very scary and something that he can opt for. So uh, my best take on it is if the team is willing to practice and take the time to try and attempt Echo, I would say go for it. Um, but at the same time, I can see teams being like, she's kind of, she's only as strong as what your opponent runs. And if your opponents are running something completely weird, like for example, the hunters, if the hunters are running, if you're against the hunters and you copy ball accidentally, what are you going to do? Like you, you fling yourself up, you pile drive, you maybe get a shield, maybe shoot a couple people ult. Then what? Like there's, it's only as good as you knowing and having the game knowledge to play every hero. I know for for us at least for the international Overwatch, I said this last um, last episode, but like I haven't checked the results, but so far it's looking like everybody wants to hold off on the Echo and see if we can learn how to play her first. Um, my first matches are coming are this weekend. I don't think our team is ready for to run an Echo, much less go up against one. Um, so I I think it's just, I think we need to wait and see before anyone really runs her.
All right, so let's get into the actual matches of the week. Um, day one, we had the Spark versus Hunters, the Titans versus the Charge, the Fusion versus the Eternal, Outlaws versus Uprising, and the Justice versus the Fuel. Um, so our first map was the Spark v. the Hunters. Um, the Spark took this a 3-0. Uh, I have to say I saw this coming. I've, I've realized that I don't... I'll watch these matches with the, the Hunters, but I don't like watching them. I don't know what it is. It's just that something about the way that the the hunters play it's like it's just really jinmu that i find exciting the rest of them they're just kind of so weird and so scrappy and it's like it's not it's not exciting for me personally um i think here the spark showed that they're clearly the better team than that um the hunters ran a lot milder plays than that they're used to it was a lot of um they did stick more to a kind of meta with um they they did they not a meta per se but they they had a specific strategy that they were running if um Jinmu could they would put him on the pharmacy and the rest of the team ran with the Hanzo Arisa Sigma and a Baptiste um it didn't really work all the time they had I think a Winston play here or there but I think I, it feels like the hunters were a lot more subdued this match than they they really used to. Yeah, the Hunters are playing, once again, in their own meta, and it feels like they're they're too late. They're, sometimes they, they try to do something correctly, um, and then by the time that they switch over, it's too late. It's always too late. So, if anything, I felt like the Hunters, once again, either need to fully commit to like this really weird strat every week, um, and play it weirdly or uh or learn the meta uh whatever the meta happens to be that week but honestly like it's not working out especially since the chinese teams have had matches against them already they know what they're gonna do like it's starting to become like the one trick pony and you need to teach it another trick uh so yeah i i hope that the hunters do figure out what they want to run um I'm I'm really excited to see them with better picks, but at the same time, uh, it can get kind of weird. I definitely think that the Hunters' most successful week was that first week because no one really knew what to expect from them, but now they the other teams have clearly learned that all they have to really do is be, perform more technically and not let the Hunters rattle them. And... They'll, they'll pretty much take it as we saw last week with the charge they were able to learn the weird meta that the hunters were running and beat them at their own game so the hunters really need to to learn and like you said another trick they can't they're the one trick pony's already gotten old um another thing i did want to point out that it's not this wasn't just a problem i noticed with the hunters this week this was across all the matches um specifically looking at Hollywood when the spark were attacking on on point two they're pushing through the um the western set part of the map um and I think a lot of the times that I saw this this was on it was on the Hollywood map where the teams would focus on getting the high ground but it, it I don't think it's always the the best decision to go for the high ground especially in a map like this where 
even if you have the, the position advantage of high ground, the rest of the team has cover. Um, the other team has cover going underneath all the little roofs and stuff. So even though in general, high ground has better sight lines, you have better positioning. You have Obi-Wan. I have the high ground Anakin. don't even try it. Um, in a lot of cases like this, it doesn't make sense to go for that. And the, the, the hunters pretty much gave away the entirety of point two in a single push because they didn't think to jump off the high ground or they just couldn't execute it very well. Um, this also happened, I think, believe with, um, Philly and Paris where, um, I think it was Philly were on the high ground, Paris walled them off and they took the point. No problem. Because I think a lot of the time teams are so used to getting high ground because in general, it's good positioning that they're, they're doing it mindlessly at this point. As a coach, Kevin, and someone who's actually played collegiately, what has your experience been with this, with high ground and whether or not it's important to take it every time? So this is honestly a very good discussion. Um, lots of people say, you know, high ground is always like the best thing. You have the best angles. Uh, you can catch them off by surprise. Um, but honestly, the most important place to be is the objective. And even if you get high ground, let's say the the fastest way, honestly, is to secure high ground for your DPS players, then rotate your tanks and your healers back down to the main objective. Um, the best example of this, honestly, is when you're on Oasis. Um you know the jump pad on Oasis when you're going and fighting on, I forgot what it's called, whatever the city one with the spire in the middle is. The city center, yep. Yeah. So you speed boost to the point, but you go to the jump pad. You get the jump pad, you let your McCree sit there with your off tank and one healer to just keep them up, right? Then your Reinhardt, your other DPS, and your other healer are on the point. What does that do to the other team? It forces them to go one of two ways. They could either contest the high ground and then fight your soldier and the rest of your team there, um, or they can get the objective. And if they go for, you know, if they go for the high ground, the rest of your team just rotates off, jumps off, rotates around, plays the point. You win the point. If they go for your team that's on the point already, you rotate towards high ground. So they have to either peek you and look at two different angles or like just get shut down completely. So the way how you play the high ground is dependent on how the other team is going to play the point. You can't just get high ground and assume, you know, I'm going to win every time. Um, you have to win the high ground and then force the other team to make the mistake of not contesting you there. Or if they do make the rotation to contest you there, you play the opposite side and you play the objective because that that's how we get things in the overwatch league where it's called like position or point flip where for example if you are on attacking side on dorado right you assume like point a of dorado they're pushing up really far right um like they're holding that choke that's right underneath the first turn um what you do is you go all the way around you take the stairs and you go behind them right um now you're pulling the cart while they're in the spot where you would be pushing the cart, right? Um, you have better positioning there. You may have certain things going either way, but honestly, uh, you're making them play in a very awkward position, uh, something that they're not used to. Um, 
And honestly, that's what it comes down to positioning. You may have the high ground. Uh, you may have better sight angles, but it's only as good as the mistakes your opponent is going to make. Um, and then obviously, if you're all on high ground, who's contesting the point? We've seen the C9 happen um, once again for, for the Hunters. And we've seen it happen for, uh, you know, during the Paris and uh, and Philly game. Like, things like this happen. You have to remember when to jump off and contest the point itself. Um, it's, I, I don't know how else to say it. It's objective gaming. You get the objective, you win the game. Um, it This goes across literally every MOBA, FPS, whatever. Like, you could be top frag. You can be killing everybody. You could be doing, you know, you could be insane, right? Um, but if you're not getting towers, you're not pushing the payload, you're not getting the point, you are going to lose the game. So you have to remember, Overwatch is an objective game. You have to get the objective and move it. Um, positioning is only as good as your opponent's mistakes. I think this week, for me, was just really defined by teams blindly going for that not not really thinking about the other team making mistake the, the, their mistake became going for the high ground without really considering um what it was costing them like a lot of teams were getting free point percentage just because the team was so adamant about going for the high ground fight instead of contesting it where you needed to do it and then they lost the maps because of that yeah what do you, what do you think about that that aspect of it of, of giving up that free tick percentage to get that better positioning. Cause this week it clearly did not work in a lot of teams favor. So giving up a tick in order to regroup is worth it. This is something that a lot of teams, especially like the B team have trouble, like really grasping, but pushing in as a full team is more important at sometimes than going for the objective immediately. Um, the best way to think about this is like on two CP. If they get a tick, right, um, and you're going out as three, they're just going to wipe you as three and then wipe you as three again. Like, but if you give up a tick or two, then you go and push as six. You have an option. You have the potential to win the point back. So that's the only time when it's okay to give up a tick. The only time, like, I understand when it's like trying to get the better positioning in order to to win it to win the point but at the same time like you have to consider if if you have numbers and you have the potential to win the fight you take it to them you take the fight to them you don't wait for them to make a mistake in that case you have to push it and get get the point when you can um it's one of those things where you have to weigh your odds every time um before making the final decision um i'm glad that you know we can watch these and kind of point to certain things where you know teams are trickling in uh they're not 100 percent there um and use that kind of as a learning tool it's a very easy way to to train teams and say like you know what is the right move here what what was the right call um we'll see how that went down why why didn't we do this uh, so on and so forth. So would you consider this week an anomaly in how a lot of the time that high ground or their, that giving up the tick was a mistake? Um, yeah, I, I honestly do think so. I think that 
some teams may be getting too comfortable and thinking like, oh, okay, I have the high ground. I'm, I'm safe here. Uh, I have the better sight line. But at the same time, like, if you have the high ground and you have the correct positioning, they shouldn't even be able to get to the point in the first place. But, like, the second they get on point, you need to collapse on them. You have the numbers. You need to do it. So, honestly, I do think it's an anomaly that, like, if it shouldn't be a fact of trading the high ground or trading for the point, you need to make sure that whatever position you're going from is the most effective for the composition you have. Like you're not going to play a dive composition the same way you play a death ball. Um, Like if you are playing against the death ball, you want to drop on them immediately. You want to get on them all at the same time. But if they're playing dive, you wait for them to make a mistake by hopping in your back line. Um, then you collapse on them, and then you just eat the rest uh, when they're already down in certain numbers. So think about it that way. It's always about what is going to win you the fight and what mistakes are the other team going to have to make in order for you to win the fight. Um, those are the most important questions that you have to ask every single time you go into a team fight. All right, so the next match we had was the Titans versus the Charge. Um, the Titans haven't played since February 8th. Um, they moved to Korea because their entire coaching staff and team is Korean, along with uh, the London Spitfire, I believe. I don't actually... where Do you know where the Seoul are? Because I've heard that they're in Korea. I've heard they're in LA. I'm not exactly sure where those teams are. Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head, but I thought Seoul did move to LA. Okay. Um, but and then I think that did the charge move to LA because that's what the least that's what I recently saw is that the charge came to America. Uh, I don't know about the charge, um, but they do have a mixed roster, so I wouldn't be surprised if they are in NA. But at that point, why aren't all the teams like in NA or in a certain place? So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of confusing about location and where, where certain players mm-hmm. are. Okay. So the reason why the Titans are playing against a, an Eastern Chinese division team like the Chargers as opposed to playing in the Western Pacific division is because they are in Korea. Um, it was not a successful match for them. They got wiped 3-0. to zero. Um, I, I don't know what to credit this to. I don't know whether it's just the Chargers just that good. Is it because the Titans haven't played for so long? Is it because of the move to Korea and everything that's going on there with the coronavirus. Um, it, it just wasn't, it really wasn't even close. I mean, the charge took it 3-0 without really much of a problem. They were very, very clean. Um, Pappy and Krong did really good work on their teams. Um, it's, it's just not, a, it wasn't a good first showing for the Titans. I, I can tell you exactly what went wrong here. Uh, not only because they are uh, they haven't played in two months. That's one thing. They haven't had the practice together. But um, also, where's your rookie of the year? Where was Hacksaw during this entire game? They played Stitch and Somin Su the entire match. And there was no indication of Hacksaw. Um... I felt like Hoxall if they didn't had him in, play on Sunday, did he? He didn't play on Sunday either. So where is he? Uh, I feel like 
that's that's another question um because if i felt like honestly in some moments i'm like they could have used the doomfist here if hawksaw was on doomfist like they ran it on occasion they ran a doomfist but they're not running it with their their rookie of the year and i'm like i was so confused because i was saying like okay they have they have a doomfist they have a tracer like you just put summon sue on the hit scan you put stitch on the other one like you just put hawksaw in easy easy win right there right like you just push in according to plan he was nowhere in sight he was he was no he wasn't on here he wasn't on he wasn't on on sunday uh i i just want to know where he is uh it did he like is he no longer with the Titans? Did he come down with the virus? Like, is he, you know, chilling at home? Like, is his PC like a potato? Like, what <laughs> is going on with, you know, the second place team from last year not being able to take a map against the charge? Like, I was just so confused. And... <laughs> When I when I saw the game, I was like, why is like I understand like okay, it's it could be a double hit scan week. You can do like you can work around the option that you have McCree uh and you can play distance, but to not play Hawksall is insane. Um it was kind of like that one week where the shock didn't play Sinatra, but mm-hmm. they knew that they had the ple- they had the players and the pieces to play other roles, and it wasn't gonna be Sinatra's week. Since they weren't going to play Doomfist, but the Titans are playing Doom. They are playing, you know, other other characters that you know. One Hawksall knows how to play. So where is he? And it's not like it's not if it was back the way it had been with the homestands and they didn't play him, might have been understandable because a lot of teams are limiting who travels to. Um, to which homestand and which games, but there, there's no one traveling right now. Like, what possible excuse could they have for not playing him? Yeah, he's he's come down watching Tiger King like the rest of us. Uh he's gone missing off the planet. Uh like like Carol Baskin's husband. Uh, oh boy, <laughs> we want to go into that, but honestly, it's just like. You had the option to play Hawksall. He would have been your saving grace in some of these games. Um, like, even against Happy. It gives somebody to face Happy and, like, put a little bit more pressure on Krong, you know? They're not playing in Week 11, and Week 12 schedule is not up, so we don't know when the next time we're going to see the Titans are, and we don't know if we'll see Hacksaw then, but maybe, hopefully they'll learn from this weekend to, to trust him more and put him on the roll. Um, our next matchup was the Paris versus the Philly fusion, which I was, I was most excited for this match the entire weekend because this was a, uh, a revenge match for the fusion because the eternal broke their winning streak last time they met. Um, this was, I think as close as it possibly really could have been. It went to map three on, um, point uh, stage three on map five. So, literally 
to the variant. I think these teams were as, as even and as close as they possibly could have been. Um, Paris took the first two maps with very cleanly. Like there's no question about how good they were playing there. And then as soon as you hit that game break, the Philly fusion come in with that reverse sweep. Um, it's just, it, they were both very clean teams. Um, I think maybe just a little bit better from Philly just because they I think their, their team has been together longer, right? This is a mm-hmm. brand new Paris team. So yes, maybe, maybe that gave them the advantage on it, but I could have seen Paris taking this. Um, there was still, again, this is another one. This is another one of those matches where I saw the, uh, the high ground thing again, which was, pretty much as good as a C9 Hollywood attack to um, for Paris Philly takes the high ground Paris walls them off all they need is a single tick they get the tick um, probably would have been able to well, no, can't say probably but maybe they would have been able to to fight better had they not all been on that high ground but as we talked about the high ground does give you a lot better um, vantage point Paris was just really good at sliding through there. When I came down to these games, I was I was watching Paris and I was like, these guys are very, very clean. And the way how they're executing uh, the game plan that they had, they were just like, you know what? This is just very clean overwatch. But if you watch Philly and the way how they clawed their way back, clawed their way back, it proves that momentum is a thing. Um, and once Philly got like, once I got once they got Paris, once they capped Paris, I was like, okay, the the Eternal are going to be in trouble. Honestly, like once the Philly find once Philly finds a way, um, they are going to use it to the best of their ability. So, um, I kind of did see the reverse like the reverse sweep coming. I knew that it was going to be very close, um, and they learned from their mistakes. They 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 wanted that revenge match and they got it. I have one question though. I've noticed this on both days, but whenever Sato is on um, the Arisa for the Philly, he does this thing where he'll look up straight in the air and shoot. I understand why um, Arisa players will look straight up and shoot their shield up so that it'll come down and it'll run the cooldown so they'll have a shield ready faster. But why is there a reason? Like, I know you, you played Arisa a lot, but is there a reason why he's doing that? Oh, the reason why to shoot the shoot the uh shield up in the air first no no why why he's just shooting straight up his his fusion driver like yeah. the shield i understand but why is he just shooting straight up in the air uh c- celebratory fireworks uh i i don't i don't know um cuz if anything it's like it's show it's giving the other team a, a bit of information to positioning it's like okay we know the Arisa's right there we know the shield's coming down um, I, I'm very. It might just I, be weird key bindings. Uh, that's probably the only other thing that I could think of. Like, um, yeah, I I, I really don't know. It, it's so it's not a weird Arisa tank strat that I didn't know about. Not that I know of. Not not, not as a tank player. Like, uh, I, I don't obviously play at like top five hundred level, but. I don't think shooting in the air is going to help you in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, 
I'm I really don't know what to what to say there. The only time when I look up in the air is if I know I'm gonna do a reset shield. Um which is where you shoot it straight up after you have your shield out. So by the time that that one breaks, it comes down and it's already starting your cooldown. So um, that's the only other time that I could think about this happening. But honestly, um, I, I have no idea why you would be looking straight up in the air and shooting. Okay. Interesting. Um... So up up uh, uprising versus outlaws. Uh this match was a bit of a it was big for both teams because this is Linkser's return to play on the starting line. This is also Jerry's return to the starting line for the uh Boston Uprising. Um and the last time these two teams played together was in week three. This went to seven maps, if you'll remember that really, really long what was it? Two and a half hours. Two and a half hour slog. game. That that went it went to the very end. It went into Boston's favor. Um, so this was another. This was weekend was all revenge matches. Um, so this was another really big one. The Outlaws did manage to take it three to one. I mean, at, at the beginning, like at that first game break, it w- it was one to one, and I thought it could go either way. Um, I'm I was just I was surprised at how well Boston was playing too because. Uh, for me, Boston's kind of one of those teams that I I haven't really paid attention to as much, just because their their track record hasn't been the greatest, along with the uh, the Dallas Fuel. But I wanted I wanted to see this one because I wanted to see how 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 this revenge match would play. Because also I do love the Outlaws, but the Outlaws are a lot cleaner than they they've been playing before. Like I I honestly this week I could not complain really about Muma. Yes, he got caught out a couple times. But who doesn't in general get out a couple times? Yeah, in general, he he's not. I didn't have many complaints. I think the outlaws are are showing that again. Momentum is a, a big thing. They've started winning their matches. They're they're becoming a more consistent team and a team to watch out for. Linkser was putting Linkser on the starting line is huge because him and Dante together with Linkser on that Widowmaker and Dante on whatever DPS Dante wants to run. Um, it's huge. Cause even if Linkser doesn't get that opening headshot to kill, Dante's just going to come and clean it up. And and what do you have to answer that? I think Linkser is clearly one of the best snipers in this game at the moment. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm so glad that Linkser is back in the starting line, um, especially for the outlaws. And, you know, obviously for the uprising, it's it's interesting to see you know what the new team is um, now that uh, Moffin isn't on that team anymore, um, and you know slowly their their team is getting chipped away here. But honestly, it's just interesting to see this revenge match. It used to be clown fiesta, uh, <laughs> as I used to call it, where you know you watch seven maps and you don't know who's gonna win. Um, there was memes on you know, on the Overwatch Twitter where it's like, um, like two, like small monkeys, like dancing in a corner and just all the other teams are throwing (laughs) money at it. Like that, that's what this match was on week three, uh, during the, (laughs) during the seven match series. Um, but now they're starting to look a little bit cleaner and I really do enjoy the way how, uh, they're executing. I do, I do agree with your, your, uh, 
what the strat was where it's you know if linkster doesn't get the pick he he at least damages somebody dante has eyes on where they are uh could get the cleanup kill and then get out um especially if he's like sombra or something like that you know you can get in the back line um but he's just very good at weaving in and out honestly i think if it weren't for having jerry on this on this team the I, I think the uprising wouldn't even have taken that second match i think the only thing that they had going for them was jerry um do you think that the whole muffin thing is is messing with the uprising do you think that that could be attributed as to why their performance was as bad as it was uh honestly no i don't think that that should really be getting in their head um if anything i feel like boston should be looking at this as an opportunity like if certain players are dropping out or are not you know getting the returns that you want there's a ton of free agents out there i'm i'm not gonna lie uh there there's just like a ton of people who are gonna play overwatch readily available and you can easily put onto your team so um since the whole path the pro thing isn't working out there's a lot of you know old free agents that aren't you know on a team uh like bumper bumper still not on a team uh you know sleepy if you want like another support like you have a whole bunch of just players who are just chilling in quarantine right now uh they would love to have a call and you know play in the league again if you're if you're willing to give them the shot or they could you know sign Gaguri. exactly just buy her contract up uh and yeah it, it would it would be nice um and it, it would also help the whole stigma that the uprising have where it's just like hire players for cheap um, and then trade them off to better teams later on and try to make a return of profit that way. But what it should be is try to build the best team, make it a playoffs at least, and then try to try to do something with that. Yeah, Boston's having a real rough go of it. Um, not I mean, they, they've been having a rough go of it for a while, but I, I was hoping that they'd, they'd at least put up a little bit more of a fight than they did. Um, but happy that the Outlaws won, happy that they're looking better than they, they have in a while. Um, so the Justice versus the Fuel was an, another really interesting matchup. The Fuel were coming off of their first win, happened last week, in about a year. It's over 300 days without a win. Um the justice lost this one, which was surprising to me. Um, the result was, uh, it was a, a steamroll. The fuel got it three to zero. And the fuel are one of the teams that I think until very recently, they were at the very bottom of the league. They were 20 in this place. Um, I, I honestly don't, <laughs> I don't really know what happened there. Um, I thought, th I thought that the justice were a lot better than this. Yeah, on paper, they were a lot better than this, uh, for sure. But the Fuel just played this so cleanly. Like, I watched the game, and I felt like when you were watching the Justice, you're like, okay, what is going on? Like, why are you why are you picking this composition going into it? Like, why? Uh, like, one of the things for me, it's like, why is there a Hanzo on every map? Like, do you need the Hanzo? Like, um Yes, it's cool to maybe get a couple picks here and there. Um, are you going to be trying to pull them in with the Orisa strat? Like, you're not running Zarya, so it's not an insta-kill. 
um it's not an easy grav dragon it's like just for zoning or something um but they were very adamant about running the hanzo um up until like yeah i not even shield break like even if you were to go for shield break like there's a lot of other options they could have went for uh it, well, once again, I feel like the Symmetra is a better shield break option or Junkrat or something that has more spam damage would have been would have sufficed. But like I, I get it, like maybe it just wasn't their week. Um but it does feel like they were a little off. They weren't as clean as they usually are. Um and honestly that's yeah. the reason why the fuel are playing at, at such a high level. Uh once again, I, I can't say you can't you can't discount the fact that decay is on this new fuel team like uh there's a reason why he was one of the star players on the la gladiators before the trade like he he's he's a great player and he's kind of insane i mean if you want to if you want to understand if you haven't didn't watch this match and you really want to understand how cleanly the fuel played this one watch hanamura watch their attack like a single TP onto the point and they take it in one fight and have six minutes and seven seconds to take point two. And they do that within one fight as well. It's insane how well they just dismantled whatever the justice were trying to do. Yeah. It's one of those things where you like learn the Hanamura rollout strat really well with, uh, with the Symmetra, like, you know how quickly you can get to point. Uh, if you've ever played that, if you've ever watched my clip uh, that that's on on uh, YouTube, this was even though it was during a different era. Um, that rollout still applies right now. But like, if you know how to roll out on Hanamura, how to do the TP wall off with May, set up on point, make sure that if they are going to go and push you, they're going to push one corner. Uh, you're good to go. Like that's all you really need to focus on. Um, but yeah, uh, if anything, the best way to describe the fuels play, it is textbook overwatch. They know it in and out. They're just, you know, we're doing this push. It worked. We're done. Okay. Defense. They're trying to push. We rotate. We're done. Like they, it was so clean, like all the way through. And, uh, I wouldn't call this a fluke. If anything, the fuel are just way cleaner now. I mean, this this is two weeks in a row that they've had wins. This isn't so far. This is proving that they're they're getting the momentum and they're they're doing better now. It, it, whether it be the coaching staff or they're just they're just more coherent. I don't know what it is, but maybe they can claw their way back to maybe the top half if if they keep playing as cleanly as they do now. Um, it'll be interesting to see if how they do against a a higher ranked team maybe if they go up against um well if, if they make it that far see how they go against the um the higher teams in the league see if they play against a Philly or a, or a Paris or even a San Francisco see what <laughs> how cleanly they can push then yeah honestly i want to see if uh how how they face off against a harder team um, not saying that the Justice aren't a difficult team to play against. It's just, you know, I felt like they were definitely off. Um, they haven't played but, in a while, though. Yeah, and they haven't played in a while. So if you play a fresh team like San Francisco, uh, you're going to get a really interesting matchup then. 
So moving to day two, we had the Hunters versus the Titans, the Dragons versus the Charge, Outlaws versus Defiant, Fusion versus the Rain, and the Shock v. the Gladiators. Uh, we talked about it last week, but about the team chat, but the team chats were enabled this week, and I guess the uh, the players are a lot more aware now after the fines that happened that um, this is a thing that can be turned on. It's still in no way consistent, um, which is, I guess, the story of the Overwatch League at this moment, inconsistency. Um, but instead of, of saying weird and clearly not pg things on the chats they're plugging their own over their own youtube channels um which i think is hilarious yeah i I love it when people do that honestly like in not in like my actual games but at least in the pro matches they're like hey guys watch like carpe ow or you know like we're we're here um yeah because like I, f- I find it really funny just to watch that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, they're playing or, to the crowd. They're 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 showing personality. They're not just the uh, the character. Yeah, and one of the things like especially like watching the shock play, like if you ever see like either Rascal, it's either Rascal or Striker, who's always like, "Oh, so good!" Like, "Wow, <laughs> good good play!" Yeah, like it's in all chat, <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, buddy." You're a little, you're a little too hyped there, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's great um, to see that you know the players are at least getting the chat in and uh, willing to talk to each other. But once again, inconsistent. Is it on? Is it off? Um, and then what, what can you actually, uh, what can you actually say here? Hopefully they keep up the chat because I, I do like seeing it and hopefully it it just becomes part of part of how they engage people while there is no actual live version of Overwatch to keep that energy up. Um not not a, a substitute for it, but it's it's the best that we've got. Um so first match, Hunters versus the Titans. That was a three one in favor of the Hunters. Um again, I was I was expecting more out of the Titans. Um, the hunters were unusually coordinated for these matches. They were running a double shield, and they they pretty much went the um, the standard meta of the uh, the league at this point for through this entire time. They were mostly going with the May Hanzo, Eresa, Sigma, Zen, and Bath. That double shield was really working with them. Um, the the Titans kept trying to go dive. They kept trying to. They were the weird ones in this case, which is unusual for a hunter's match but it it just didn't work for them they didn't get completely stomped they did manage to take one match um which was the very beginning on busan um so hope i i I was watching this hoping that maybe the day before was a fluke but they they really need to i think part of it is that the move to korea might have um they might not yet be fully coordinated after that they might they might still be kind of in a weird flux state but i was really hoping for more out of the titans this weekend i i did as well i hope that um if anything the vancouver titans just need to figure out what they want to do and also where's soman or where's uh where's hawksall where where's the where's the where's your uh rookie of the year where is he hiding with Gaguri. Uh, like I'd, i have a gun to their to their head it's like where where is he where 
where are you keeping Hawk Salt? Is he in a cage next to Gaguri? Are you selling him for $3,000? Like, what's going on? Uh, Where's I need... Gaguri? Where's Hawk Salt? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we need to put up some, like, missing posters at this point. You're going to see them on the Overwatch milk carton box. Like, I don't even know where they are anymore. Um, but honestly, when it comes to these matches, like, I honestly expected the the hunters to play weird and they didn't and then they won it's weird that they played normal yeah they played normal and it's very untraditional of them for them to do that but uh for them to be up against the vancouver titans and win it's really weird and especially since most of the players on vancouver are from korea uh they have that's like their home ground that's like where they where they play the most. It's weird to see this happen. I'm hoping that within um I'm hoping that within the next little bit of time that they're able to to stabilize, to to figure out a strategy and get back to the the finals caliber team that we're used to. Um so Outlaws v Defiant. I was expecting this to be a Defiant win, just because I remember from last season they were they were a pretty good team. I was I was surprised at how well they performed. Um, the the outlaws took this one, uh, a three to two. So it was still very close. It did get to that map five, but the outlaws are really they have the momentum now. I, I really don't know what it is. Um, I, I don't know how they've gotten so good in these past couple weeks. But like, do you think maybe it's it, it's a change in coaching strategy or anything, or is it? having Linkser back in the lineup. Uh, I don't want to say it's only Linkser. I just think that like the Outlaws are playing with more confidence than they did the last couple like the last couple weeks. Uh last time that I saw them play it was pretty like you know, they didn't they look lost. They look really lost. Um but now they look like they know what they're doing when they're rolling into these games. Um and the Defiant were the ones who look kind of kind of lost. So I hope that when it does come down to these games later on, um, that the Houston Outlaws continue their momentum, continue doing whatever they're doing. It's, it's working. So they, they feel like a full team. They feel like they're mm-hmm. doing what they need to do. And even with a team of like all-stars like the Defiant, um, they're not letting that really hinder them. They clawed their way back. Um, and it, it, it was honestly a really good match to watch. Yeah. Um, this is actually, this is the first time that the outlaws have reverse swept and it's in stage two of 2018 in two years. Um, the, out, the, the outlaws, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm hopeful that they can keep this going. Um, I've been paying a lot of attention to Muma just because, he's my biggest criticism of the team. And I literally had nothing to say, bad to say about him this match. Um, he didn't get caught out as much as he did the day before on day one. So whatever they're doing to him, it's working. I really hope that they, whatever they're doing, they keep it up because um, I don't think that they're, they're championship caliber yet, but I think that they can work to get close to it. Yeah. They could easily be the, uh, the Atlanta reign of, season three where a lot of people discounted them for a while but once they started like actually 
getting their stuff together and figuring out how they're going to attack the point, they really, they really turned things around. So I wouldn't mind seeing Houston back up in that, in that kind of a uh, realm, but we'll, we'll see where they land. Speaking of the Atlanta rain, they did face up against the fusion this weekend for this day two. Um, this was a really entertaining game to watch. The, the Atlanta rain are, they're such a strong team. The Phillies still won, but um, it, it was a lot of fun to watch. Carpe got his 4,000th final blow. Um, really great DPS from him. Good, good fun Torb play. I like watching him on Torb. It's a lot of fun. He he pulls out the hammer when he can. I like. I love watching hammer kills. It's just, it's the ultimate screw you. I think in Overwatch, even more than tech crouching, if you get a Torb just hammering you. Yeah the the equivalent, at least from what I remember, is in in TF two. There's a weapon. I believe it could be held by anyone, but like it's like a common like you know it's just a reskin of like the regular melee weapon. But it's a fish. Uh, and if you get killed by the fish, you're just like, oh, man, like that's <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> like it it makes like this wet slap sound too, like when you get hit and it's just like a disgrace. And that's the same thing that happens like when you're facing off against a Torb. And instead of you like, you know, dying to turret, dying to, you know, a flaming hot Cheeto to the face, you get hit with like the squeaky hammer and you die like that honestly that should be a skin but like you know <laughs> the the baby hammer of all things to just get a hammer kill it's like it is the biggest flex that you could ever do it's um, disrespect is what it is yeah it's just like hey guys like i have enough time to run on my two stump legs all the way to your face and just boop you on the head like i have enough time to do that like you have all the bullets you have melee available can't deal with you know me running at you at full speed uh you got a problem here <laughs> so yeah honestly um seeing the hammer kills it's really funny um but at the same time you're just like oh man like that's that's rough buddy i think that this entire matchup can be summed up with a something that uber said um, like Joe Exotic's Zoo, the Atlanta Rain are running on fumes. They started really strong and, and pretty much throughout the... This is their, their trend the entire series. Start off strong, but not able to cap Philly. If they didn't start strong, they're able to figure out what they're doing wrong um, and make the adjustments and come in for the, the strong win. Um, my biggest example, that was just the very last match. Um started out on Ilios with the well uh fusion were running a reinhardt which it, it just didn't make sense the philly fusion were just getting absolute no progress on point the rain were running rampant on them but the next two maps were just a just a very clinical philly fusion we're gonna roll you yeah, they they really went back to the drawing board and figured out what they needed to do. Um, and they were just like, you know what, we're just going to execute. We need to do this. We're the better team. We got to do it. And so that's exactly what Philly did. They're they're proving, you know what, there's a reason why we're at the top and, you know, why we're eating KFC tonight. Uh, <laughs> this is this is exactly what they're going to do. I didn't watch the Dragons v. Charge. Did you? 
Uh, I did not get around to that game. Okay. Um, that was a 3-0 in favor of the Dragons, which I I was predicting, so I, I didn't feel like I needed to watch that one. Um, Dragons are still the top of their division, so not really much to say there. Um, I don't know how... Obviously, you don't know how close those three matches were because you're only seeing the numbers. You're not seeing the actual games. You don't know if it was tooth and nail the entire way or it was a steamroll but dragons came out on top that's what matters um shock versus the gladiators which was dubbed the salty california runback from uber this is a rematch from week eight when it was one to three in favor of the gladiators both teams had a 2-2 record going in so this was this was a really important match for both of those teams but the the shock were able to get it with a, a 3-0 um yeah, the shock were pretty much. They're not running Sinatra. Um, they really don't need to. Uh, as as good as Sinatra is, the rest of the San Francisco Shock still is a fine team, even when they don't play him. They're looking back to their classic selves. Um, I, I there's not much to say here. Is the the shock maybe are they back? Um, I I actually watched a video from super after the after the match um and he said like honestly they felt really bad when they were playing against the first the first time that they played against the gladiators like during week eight and they said right. yeah we weren't we weren't really getting progress um but he said like this week we definitely felt like it was our meta like they were playing the way how they wanted to and on top of that um they said that they had very quality scrims they said that they were playing against teams that were willing to really test them in a way and make their games honestly like as hard as possible and like super said like that's just the reason why we won we had very quality scrims going into it so um i really want to know who they scrimmed uh maybe it was shanghai maybe it was a couple other teams but they they were playing very cleanly um and if anything this just shows you know uh Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, they did not let them, you know, win it again. So mm-hmm. um, they definitely learned from last time, uh, and they were just willing to willing to do it. You know, pull the trigger, make sure that they're gonna push completely through them. So looking at all the matches this weekend, we've got we, the the teams that I have pretty much dominating the league right now are the Philly Fusion with Paris slowly behind them and then the Shock. Who do you who do you think by the time this is over if they if they're playing at their the peak of the season right now if they're playing if how they're playing now is is the best that they're playing who do you think's going to take it in the end? Honestly, like the the end gauntlet like I want to see Philly versus San Francisco. I think those are the two teams that are honestly currently at the top of my list that I want to see uh, go head to head. Not discounting any of the other teams, honestly, but like uh, I don't think the Chinese teams are going to have enough games, obviously, under their belt to even compete um, with the rest of it. But I do think you know Philadelphia talking big game. They're you know last they they played the best that they could. Uh, they've been to the finals. Uh, during season one before 
So they have that experience. And the Shocker just looking to defend their title. Um, it would be something like that that I would definitely be down to see. Um, but, you know, it's still really early, believe it or not. It's only week. It's week 10. Um, and, like, yes, we're approaching the halfway mark. But at the same time, like, any team can start just doing really, really well. Um, we still have 17 whatever. weeks. Exactly. Like, we still have a lot of time. So, if anything, I feel like some of the teams that are really clean, that really surprise me for sure, um, are Paris. Like, Paris Eternal are probably one of the scarier teams that I did not have, you know, on my radar for the longest time. Um, we haven't seen New York in a while, but they're going to be up there as well. Um, but honestly, like, are what I want to see... I've heard they're in Korea. They're in Korea? Okay. so I've heard that. Yeah, we'll we'll see what they decide to do with that as well. But for now, I think if I wanted to see a grand final, San Francisco, Philly Fusion. That would be a very, I think that'd be the best we could hope for, personally. I'm really I'm really enjoying watching Philly and Paris play. Um, especially that they're they're going head to head so often. I think that's it, it's just very good overwatch especially if you're watching to learn watch those two teams um because they're they're running meta but they're also innovating and playing it very cleanly it's not they're not playing as they're not playing as cleanly as they could because they're they're so even so they have to oftentimes get scrappy with each other but even when they're playing scrappy they're very technical about it yeah and i honestly hope that we get to see a lot more of those games as well. Yeah, I'm definitely not discounting, you know, the New York Excelsior, uh, Paris, or Atlanta. Like, those teams are very good right now. Um, but I, I do want to see where they end up at the very end. Like, um, once again, I, I said that, you know, Philly is an older team. They have experience together. But Paris is, like, up and coming. More newcomers coming to that team. Um it's just interesting to see those scrappy fights and who they focus. Um, and if you guys, for now, at least I hit my mic, uh, if we are doing exactly what the Overwatch League is attempting to make us do, since we're unifying the the hero pools and, you know, all that stuff, these games are going to be even more important to watch. Like, you watch the first day, you realize, like, oh, this is how they're playing it. This is the meta. We run the same thing. You can try on, you know, Saturday night, Sunday night, and then go and play that meta. You you play what you want to play during the week. Then you see how the pros play it. And you, you just, you know, learn. Learn their technique. Learn what they're trying to do. Figure out what they're doing um, and apply it to your own gameplay. Um, that is the best way to really figure out how, how the game works. Yeah, so speaking of unified hero pools, to wrap this all up, next week's heroes band are going to be Widow, McCree, Ryan, and Brig. Um, that's going to be across all of Overwatch for the first time. We're getting a unified hero pool. Um, apparently, enough of us complained to them that they decided, okay, screw it. We're just going to have one thing the same. We're also not having a um, an actual map pool. All the maps are going to be available except for paris and horizon which we all complained about enough so they're going to take them out of rotation and rework them completely so that they're more fun to play 
And next week, for some reason, we're starting with four days of Overwatch. Um, we're starting on Thursday night at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Two matches that day. The Atlanta Reign versus the Washington Justice and the Battle of L.A. Gladiators versus the Valiants. Um, Friday, also starting at 4 Eastern time. Florida Mayhem versus the Paris Eternal. Boston versus Toronto. The Fuel versus the Shock. Um, then on to Saturday. Uh, we've got Saturday and Sunday are just all the Chinese teams playing. Uh, Hunters versus the Charge. The Dragons versus the Spark. And then on Sunday... It's these charge and spark versus the charge versus the spark, and then the hunters versus the dragons. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, Kevin, but I'm getting really tired of watching the Chinese teams play just because their division is so small. Yeah, I totally agree. It feels like it's starting to get stale. I wish, you know, I know Vancouver got stomped out this week. Yes, I know they got slapped with a fish like hit with the torb hammer okay like but they need to play these other teams they need to play like the other two chinese teams so that we at least have like yeah a pool to kind of see what what they're doing there's still quarantine stuff going on in korea which is why we aren't seeing the korean teams really playing but they're expected to come back as soon as that's over and try to catch up on as many matches as possible Honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict now who's gonna win, and we'll see if I'm right. Just based on the performances so far, mm-hmm. Charge are gonna beat the Hunters. The Dragons are gonna beat the Spark. Um, I feel like it's it's gonna be a toss up between the Spark versus the Charge. I'm gonna go for Charge for that one, and then the Hunters versus the Dragons. I think the dragons are used to the weirdness of the hunters by now. I think the dragons are going to take it. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Uh, if if I were making predictions, honestly. Uh, but at the same time, like this is a week without Reinhardt. Uh, this is a week without Brig. This is a week without the Cree. Um, the hunters and yeah, their so weird a lot strat of the mainstays are gone. Yeah, uh, the hunters with their weird strat might actually be more effective this week, just because. There's a severe lack of stuns, um, like just point and click stuns, which are, mm-hmm. you know, flashbang um, and shield bash, you know, shield bash. Uh, but yeah, I, honestly, I can see the hunters doing really well this week, um, but I don't know if it's good enough to beat, you know, whatever mainstay they're going to be running. But um, I mean, if if the other teams can can be like the charge and then learn the hunters weird strat and on the fly and beat them at it then the hunters don't have a prayer exactly if the other so, teams can't learn that uh learn whatever weird strat then maybe maybe the weirdness can outrun the technical proficiency of the other teams yeah it's going to be one of I those think that's weird a big weeks. maybe yeah it's going to be one of those weird weeks where if the hunters are able to get what they want with this band um they they will do really well otherwise it's going to be you know, another role. And uh, honestly, I'm kind of on the fence. I kind of want to see what the Hunters want to do. But at the same time, uh, like, I'm afraid that they're just going to get shut down completely because, you know, the teams by now do understand how they play. Cool. Um, Any words of wisdom for us, Kevin, before we sign off for the week? Uh, 
not really. Uh, I, I'm kind of confused that of the scheduling for the Overwatch League right now. It's just like, you know, we're getting four days, two, two games or three games on Friday, I guess, um, of Overwatch. But at the same time, like, I'm glad that we're still trying to find a workaround for these matches. Um, I, I just hope that later down the line we don't get like what we would consider a hell week where it's just like oh yeah we're doing overwatch seven days a week three matches a day like and you're just like oh no like we have to watch oh boy overwatch every day (laughs) like just to get the notes down or to get our two cents in uh but honestly i just hope there's no way i'm watching all that yeah yeah i'm just gonna be like just give me the box score I'll watch, I'll watch the highlights later. Like that's all you're going to get from me. But um, I do feel like the Overwatch League is going to get more viewership just because it's now going to line up with the current hero bands and everything. Um, it's going to be a lot more, you know, unified as a, as a thing. We were talking about inconsistencies. They're trying to patch those up and uh, yeah, hopefully it will play into our matches. Cool. Well, thanks for tuning in with us this week, guys. Week 10. Um, We'll come back with you next week and see if any weird changes happen. And uh, we'll do our best to watch as many of these nine games as possible. Um, Bring you the breakdowns and analysis of how they're playing. Um, Again, stay safe. Stay inside. Uh, We'll beat this COVID yet and get back to our our normal lives as normal as we can get back to. See you next week. Yep, see ya. Next week, we cover more Overwatch League matches and our thoughts on the new competitive scene. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.